Good afternoon, y'all. Today's Friday, 124, and today I get to sit down with a friend of mine from the gym. Um, this is Tim Schultz. Tim, what do you do, Tim? Uh, I got a law firm here in San Antonio and up in Duncanville. All right, right so on. Been doing that for about 20, too many years to count. Yeah. Long time. So, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be welcome, here. Tim. So, we were just talking about, you just said, uh, we're talking about diets and, and you... Um, having like low carb days and all that stuff, and then what was the word you used? Kunas. Yeah, we're kunasses. What what is what is that definition? Uh, kunas is basically a slang term for Cajun. Uh huh. So you're kind of um, down in Southwest Louisiana. Everybody's all mixed in a pot. In a yeah. pot, you know, you have about sixty different um, ethnic groups in you. Uh -huh. So you're a kunas. That's interesting. Because you know when I, I, I don't know if you remember this conversation, but when we first one of the first times I met you, we were rucking um, through what Canyon Lake? Um we was, were going yeah, you had you had your dog with you. Yeah, the Madrone yep. Trail, I think yep. it was. Yep. And uh, you had said that word and initially my first response was to I was like, damn I was like, is this guy a racist? You know? I remember that. You asked me about yeah. that. Yeah. And I had, I was just ignorant, right? Sure. Because I had no idea like where you grew up. Well, you, you weren't ignorant. You just didn't didn't know what the term was. That's ignorance. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think ignorance, it's, um, I used to be, if I was called ignorant, I would feel like it was um, derogatory right. or, or putting me down. But then I realized that ignorance is just the lack of information or right. just not being aware. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. So I asked yeah. you, I remember asking you, excuse me. What does yep. that mean? And you know what's interesting is like where I grew up in Southern California, mm -hmm. it was like the word coon right. is a racial term. Sure. Yeah. It is a lot of, around a lot of the country. Yeah. And there's probably some people down Louisiana that don't want to be called a coon ass, uh -huh. but they're probably not from there. Mm -hmm. If you're from there, it's no big deal. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like nowadays with like social media and all that stuff, if you had said that, let's say you said that online. Mm-hmm. You would get grilled by everybody, and they would call you a racist. They'd That's why I don't go online. Yeah, smart man, <laughs> smart man. So you grew up where? You grew up in Westlake, Louisiana. Where is that? What part um, of like it's east, west? It's west, southwest Louisiana, about 10 miles outside of Lake Charles. And you grew, and you born there? Yeah, born. well, I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana at um, Charity Hospital. Uh -huh. And I was first baby born in 65, tells you how old I am. For Lake Charles area, so, gotcha. my, so my parents got free food and everything for a year. Mm. So we lived there for 10, 11 years, and that's where all my relatives live. Where'd you move after that? Beaumont. Beaumont, that's yeah, in where? Beaumont, Texas. Okay. So if you go to Houston, uh -huh. stay on ten. Last last big city before you go into Louisiana is Beaumont. Uh -huh. So it's about sixty miles from Lake Charles. So how how was that growing up in Louisiana? What type of stuff did you experience? Like the type of people you grew up? Because for me, you know, growing up on the West Coast, right? My idea of growing up is probably completely different mm -hmm. than yours. And so for me to gain an understanding of like the type of person you are, I understand that a lot of like your vocabulary and things you say are based on where you grew up. Sure. And I think we need to focus more on intent rather than the sure. actual things you're saying. Sure. And so I'm curious, what type it was of people a great, you grew up? It was just a great childhood. Mixed yeah. pot of people. Yeah, everybody. I mean, um, we had, I grew up with a kid named Tony Gonzalez, played baseball together. Um, Jimbo was my next door neighbor. He's my best friend. We rode bikes. Um, 
you know, all my uncles down there at the time were in the military. Now, you know, now they're return, retired police officers. Okay. So it was very law enforcement family, mm. um, country. Yeah, Most of my yeah. relatives live out in the country on farms or whatever. Okay. So we fished, hunted, all that. Where, where, um, in is Louisiana? Is that near like the swamp area and all that? Um, it's kind of when you go through Beaumont and then you go into Lake Charles. If when you go through a little town called Sulphur, okay. Louisiana, that's where all of the um, the sulfur mines are, and mm. that's where our national reserves are for all the oil. It's down in those big pits. Uh-huh. So if you go towards the coast, towards Cameron, there's nothing but marshes down there. So, but that's not what most people think of when they think of marshes. That's going to be closer to Lafayette. Okay. But the Atchafalaya Atch- Bridge and all that. So, you know that, that shows swamp people? Uh-huh. How accurate is that? It's very. My aunt, before yeah. she died, um, Aunt Lanafay, she was friends with, um, what's the two guys' names? Um, with the, the, they're basically American Indian. Okay. Um, the father-son team. She knows them. One's a world uh, world oh, champion arm wrestler. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I know which, the the guys in the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a father son. They're just they're real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was friends with them, so it, it's pretty accurate. Oh. Yeah, because when I was a kid growing up at my um, grandparents' house in Sulphur, the next door neighbors that's what they did for a living. They hunted alligators. Really? Yeah, you, ever so, hunt, you ever hunted alligators? Um, I've never gone out for alligators. No, we did alligator gar, which is different. Okay. But um, but there's you know many days they would have four or five six alligators on the front yard. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, skinning them and of course you eat them. Yeah, you know? you've had alligator. I'm oh saying. yeah, yeah, I've you had like alligator. it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. What other what other weird animals you eat down there? Mm, alligator gar, okay. which tastes like chicken. Uh huh. Um, squirrels. I don't know if you ever had squirrel gumbo. Not yet. Not it's yet. Good. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. First time I met Karen, um, she went down to Louisiana with me and. She grew up in Highland Park, which is up in Dallas. Okay. My grandmother had a two-bedroom, one-bath house at the time, and there was 15 of us in the house. Uh-huh. And two bedroom, one bath, and 15 of Well, a lot of people were in town, so we just all oh, stayed oh, there. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, they're not living in there, but yeah, just yeah. visiting. And we had squirrel gumbo. But my uncle left the heads on the squirrels. <laughs> so you look down there, and you see the eyes and everything. So it's In uh, the soup? And the, uh, yeah, yeah. And do you like it? It's good stuff? Um, I can't look at it, but I'll eat it. Yeah. It's kind of repulsive to look down there and see an eyeball, you know? <laughs> what other, <clears throat> anything else? Anything like, um, let me try to think of anything special. Snake? Um, trying to think if I had snake. I don't think I've ever had snake. We had turtle. Okay. Yeah, we had turtle soup. It's good? A lot, yeah. You know how yeah. to cook all that stuff? Um, you know, I never really cooked turtle. My mom did. Mm. Yeah, so I've never have cooked it. We moved from there when I was like 12. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, snapping turtle, you know, you catch them, take the meat out, and cook it. So you still hunt ever or no? No, not really anymore. Too, what, so busy. What yeah. about when you were younger? What did you hunt? Um, we went deer hunting, squirrel hunting. Um, that was about it. How's the deer hunting out there? It's real good. Really? Yeah. Better than here? I wouldn't say better, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. And you know how to skin them, all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So you can. I hadn't done it in years, but we used to sell, we used to sell squirrel, um, squirrel hide. Mm, so interesting. You, yeah, you you know clean them, then you put them up on the board, put salt on them, let them dry, peel it, and sell uh-huh. it. What is that squirrel hide used for? Um, people would use it for hats or whatever, or oh, just okay. tails. You know, kids yeah, yeah, yeah. kids having fun. Mm. So so you grew up there, 
moved when you were about 12, then you moved to Texas. Yeah, I moved to Texas. What brought you all out to Texas? Uh, my dad was a paper salesman. Okay. So he sold paper door to door. So What type of paper? Newspapers? Um, no, just paper like you write on. Really? Yeah, um, boxes of paper. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so he sold paper and then he got into making forms, which was well before your time. But back in the day when you went in and bought something, okay. they had a carbon copy machine. Uh-huh. And they would write on that carbon copy machine, and then they'd hand you your receipt. My yeah. dad designed those forms. Oh. So he was a forms designer. That's the type of the paper where you write on one and then underneath. That's right. That's carbon paper. Okay. That's correct. And there used to be a machine that you would put your carbon paper in, and then when that one was done, you'd pull it off the little eyes, and the next one would come up. Ah, gotcha. So my dad worked for More Business Forms, which is a forms company. Uh-huh. And um, then he became... Sales manager for Beaumont, um, Jasper, Orange, all that area. So he did that for about two or three years, and then we moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he went to work for Bowater, which is a bigger company. And so he just kind of worked his way up selling paper and forms. Interesting. Yeah. And you decided to go the law route. Yes, I'd go law route. Yeah. What, so, what took you there? Um. Have have a good buddy of mine who's a judge in Georgia, uh-huh. and I met him when I was in Chattanooga, and he said you ought to go to law school. So I said I'll give it a shot. Interesting. So that was it. Did you have a passion for it, or is that something? Nah, that... I just wanted to. You know, I knew it'd be a way to to make a living. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And you're still doing that. Yeah, still. Doing are you it. currently doing like um, actually trials, or are you? No, nah, I used to do trials. Um, Quite a few hearings, but now all I do is help people go into a nursing home. So, like, uh, if mom or dad has a stroke or something, and they need to go to the nursing home, I do all the documents for that. Ah, uh, okay. So, I work with a lot of nursing homes around Texas. Mm-hmm. So, so um, in your time of law, tell me some crazy stories. You got any crazy stories about oh, trials yeah. you've been a part of, okay. hearings you've seen? Sure. Yeah, straight out of law school... Um, yeah, I didn't really have many job offers. Okay. I, I had one, but um, I didn't really finish high enough in my class, so the guy found out and flew me back home. So no way. Uh, yeah, so um, that's a story for another day. I don't, I don't <laughs> know if I want the Texas bar knowing that one, but anyway, I'm sure statute of limitations passed. But um, so I didn't have any job offers, so I went around Waco because I went to Baylor. And okay, I, so and you entered, graduated from Baylor. Yeah, graduated from Baylor. So before I graduated, I went around the, the city and interviewed a bunch of solo practitioners. Okay. Found out how they got business. So one guy goes, man, you got to do parole hearings. And I said, man, if my uncles found out I was doing parole hearings, you know. So I did parole hearings. I did probably 400 and something parole hearings. Whoa. And um, I was doing a parole hearing the day the Murrah building got blown up in Oklahoma City. Explain that to me. I have no idea. Um, okay, the Murrah building was blown up by a couple of guys using um, some kind of bomb in a U-Haul or something. What was the Murrah? What is Mur- it? it was a, um, Murrah? Murrah building was in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. What was the building? What the, what um, federal building. Oh, it was a federal whoa. building. Okay. And um, I think 160-something people got killed. Holy but shit. I was up on the seventh floor of the George O. Allen Courts building. That's where the jail is. Okay. So we were doing a parole hearing. And all of a sudden, it went into lockdown because, you know, a federal building had been blown up. So they didn't know what was going on at the time. So we had to stand up against the wall for like two hours. 
waiting yeah, until yeah. everything was cleared and everything. So that was interesting. Yeah, and then they found out, you know, that there was no issues there, so they let us out. When was this? Um, I think it was 95 or 96, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, let's see. You know, so I did a bunch of those. I did a bunch of guardian ad litems. Um, what is that? Basically, when you have a kid that's injured in a car wreck, okay. um, the parents, the court considers the parents to be adverse to the kids. What does that mean, adverse? Um they're not really on their side because if the parents, let's say in your case, you're nine years old and you get injured in a car wreck okay. and you're pretty badly injured and they're going to give your family $200,000. Well, if the $200,000 comes to your mom and dad, there's, there's a reasonable chance that the money may never go to you. Mm. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But really it's your money, but you're a minor. Okay. So the court would appoint somebody like me to represent the interests of the minor. Mm. So my job was was to make sure that the money would go into the court registry and then put into a certain type of trust. Oh, I see. I so see. when the kid turns, you know, eighteen or twenty-five or whatever. Now, who is the person who gets you on board? Do the parents? I the mean, judge. Okay, so the judge. Yeah, there was a judge up in Dallas at the time um, who gave me a bunch of bunch of work. Ah. Um, either guardian ad litems mediations, um, all that kind of work. You ever done anything with any violent criminals? Any? Yeah, when you do parole hearings. It's all that? Yeah, I mean, because they're, they're basically, they've been released from TDCJ, Department you know, Corrections, and they're on parole. So they have to report to a parole officer. Uh-huh. Well, let's say that their parole doesn't allow them to be in a certain area, or they're wearing an electronic monitor. And they go outside that area. Well, that's a violation of parole. Yes. So they get picked up. Okay. But they, that is, they only get picked up if they're caught outside that area? No, no, no. They get picked up if the computer says they're out of that area. How do they know? Because it's electronic monitor on oh, your you ankle. They, okay. The yeah. ones that they have, have that. Okay. Yeah. And so then from there, they're picked up. So you'll have a parole hearing where you have a parole officer, whoever's representing the criminal. And then whoever's representing the parole board. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you see and hear it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got, you know, guys that... You okay with talking about it, or is this something that you don't really... No, I'm, I'm fine with it. So what's yeah. something crazy? Because I'm curious. Um, craziest thing ever happened to me is um, I represented a guy... Man, what year was it? Sometime in the mid-90s, late-90s. And the interesting thing is one of the parole hearing officer, Well, not officers, but one of the parole... Um, I guess he was an officer, but he would go out and monitor everything. He was from Westlake also. So we became real good friends. Okay. And I represented this one guy that was very violent. And he told me, he said, if we lose, I'll, I'll get you. Wow. Okay, so he told me that. So I passed that on to my buddy. I forgot about it. Two or three years later, I'm at my office, which is over off of Oakland in Dallas. It was a Sunday morning. And I was down in the parking basement. You had to have a pass to get into it. And I see this old beat-up Buick Regal, a red Buick Regal that's slowly coming to me. Okay. I thought it was interesting, but no, no big deal. Guy pulls up to me. The second I saw him, I knew who it was. And he asked me, you know, my name and um, 
I told him a, a different name. Yeah. And he goes, man, you look like um, Tim Schultz. So I said, no. I said, a lot of people say that. I said, but he's a lawyer up on the eighth floor. I got an accounting business on the sixth floor. Man, you sure do look like him. I said, man, it, not me. I said, but I, I look a lot like him. But if I see him, I'll tell him that you're looking for him. What, what's your name? So he goes, no, nah, he just drove off. So I immediately called my buddy who was on the parole, you know, parole officer. Uh-huh. And they swooped in and got him. And Whoa. he got quite a few years. Holy crap. Quite a few years. So I'm assuming he didn't win the case. No, he didn't win the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... He might still be there. <clears throat> really? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so as, an, as a representative, did you ever have, like, cases where you... Because I know that somebody always has to represent the accused, right. right? Were there ever cases where you just didn't want to take it or you knew, like, there's no way this case is going to be won? Well, almost every case I had, there was no way it was going to be one. Um, they were all guilty. Yeah. They had all violated their parole. Did that suck to be representing people who... No, I got paid the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I was there to make sure that they got a proper defense. They were guilty and they went their way and I went my way. Uh-huh. So, but, you know, they don't, they don't just go out and pick them up for nothing. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. They had all violated. And some of them were pretty bad violations, you know, so... Yeah. So, you ever have to represent people who like murdered people and things like that? Never did that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never did that. So what were the types of charges that um, did you have? Drug charges, violence? A lot of drug charges. Uh-huh. A lot of drug charges, um, assault, robbery. Uh-huh. Had a guy who had robbed um, three or four 7-Elevens, mm-hmm. armed robberies. He obviously was guilty. Um, just stuff like that. Was there ever points... Um, so when it came to like, damn, you know, sometimes like I'm listening and then I have a thought in my head and then mm-hmm. I just forget it. Oh, I do that all the time. I know, I know right where you are. And it sucks because I was I did a podcast with Jason yesterday and there was something, but I just couldn't even remember what I was gonna yeah. say. Um, okay, with when it comes to like levels, so I've heard right that there are certain ways that lawyers can present things mm-hmm. that obviously look biased. Right towards the side that they're presenting, the level of like good lawyers versus bad lawyers. I was watching the um, documentary um, about Aaron Aaron Hernandez. Okay, the football player. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the guy killed himself. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that documentary? I hadn't seen it. You know anything about the case? Um, I know enough that he. I think he was sent to prison for murder. Yeah. And and then in prison he got in a lot of trouble and then he ended up killing himself. Yeah, yeah. So there, so he um, was represented by a guy and then he got convicted of murder, mm-hmm. went to jail and then they tried to convict him for two more murders. Right. And then they had a lawyer who had represented. Um, shoot, he he was like some big time, basically a celebrity lawyer. Right. And he was so good that he had gotten people released Mm -hmm. um, because of the way he worded things for you as a lawyer is is your job to present information or is your job to get people to sway on your side do you know what i mean yeah sure yeah i mean if you're a trial lawyer you're basically and i don't do any more trial law but you're basically in a theater in the courthouse Uh uh-huh 
and the way that you present your case, you're trying to be an advocate for your client. So like if you knew that a guy was guilty, right. would you try to present the case to make him seem innocent or? No. Okay. No, I would not take a case. Um, if I knew a guy was guilty, um, that wouldn't be a case for me. So you would just go through the motions? No, I wouldn't take the case. But what do you mean? I thought you took all those cases. Where well, those those were parole hearings. Those were different than oh. like trials. They, they had already been convicted. They were given a second chance, and then they violated that second chance. That ah. was an administrative hearing. Okay. So on those there, you know, there was very, I mean... I might have had two or three out of all of them yeah. that they didn't do it, and those didn't get sent back. Yeah, mm. but the ones who do, there's not a whole lot of. Yeah, you know, you did or you didn't. But if I had a case, if somebody walked in and said, "Hey, you know, I need representation," I, I just wouldn't take because that's that's not my gig. You know, I'm sure there's a bunch of lawyers that would take it. Do you see them as like scummy lawyers? <clears throat> no, I just see them as having a different outlook on life than I have. Mm. You know? And what's that? Well, I mean, let's take this example. Let's say somebody kills someone. You know, um, I, I don't really want to represent that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And so who, like when the court, court appoints a lawyer, right? Because if mm -hmm. they don't have a lawyer, they'll be right. appointed one. Right. Who gets appointed? Where where does these those these are? Come um, from? It's a good question. Those are basically court appointed attorneys that sign up to handle those types of cases, mm. and um, it's normally known as the public defender's office. Okay. Yeah. And they have what a bunch of lawyers on yeah on hand? yeah they they're paid by taxpayer money and they represent any and all. Uh -huh. And that's just a different deal. That's a different way of doing law. There's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Yeah. I choose to do more administrative stuff. Okay. Versus, um, you know, trial work. Okay. But, so let me ask you, you, did you pay attention to the OJ stuff? Mm-hmm. While, and you were a lawyer back then? At the yeah. Time? I watched, I was working out at, um, was it Gold's Gym? I was working out with the guy that I work with now. And that was in 95, 96, maybe. We were working out, I think it was a Gold's Gym, off of 75 in Dallas okay. when they had the Bronco chase. Oh, no yeah, we way. Saw, yeah, we said the whole gym stopped and watched that. Whoa. Yeah. And then I was on um, 2501 Oaklawn on the eighth floor during the trial. I had a big, nice um, outside back porch, and we would sit out there over lunchtime and catch up on the trial. So, yeah, uh, we watched it. Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. No doubt. No doubt. So what got him out? Money? I don't know. I mean, I guess money and um, very good lawyering, you know. Yeah. I mean, that whole glove deal was a huge mistake. You what know? was it? What happened? Well, they put a glove on. They said if they gave the glove and he acted like he couldn't put it on. What What was the glove? Um, the glove was the glove that was worn whoever sliced him up. Okay. And he acted like he couldn't put it on. And then that's where that saying Johnny Cochran said, if the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but that was very poor of the prosecutors to try to put it, you know, you don't give the defendant something and allow them to try to put it on because mm. they can, it, you know, it'd be like a pair of socks. Well, it doesn't fit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he did that and then... Well, I mean, my opinion is, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. there was a lot of evidence and, you know, he sure made a good run in that Bronco. It's a nice Bronco. That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Money talks? Mm-hmm. So even in the court of law, like, what? okay, let me ask you. Being a lawyer, 
how much corruption is there in the court of law? Like, for example, um, Epstein. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the big thing right now. Right. It seems like that is the conspiracy theory that's going on that he didn't kill himself. Mm-hmm. Almost unanimous across the U.S. is like Epstein didn't kill himself, but yet nobody's been acquitted. Right. For the death of Epstein, mm-hmm. what's going on? What's your ideas? Let me pick your brain. Well, I just look at, you know, most prisons, the camera systems work. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, uh-huh. Right. So if the camera system <laughs> happens not to work for that little bit of area, uh-huh. that, that, generally, that generally on. raises an issue. Yeah. Okay. And they have several different layers of camera systems. So... To say that a camera is not working is kind of unacceptable. Okay. Um, number one. Number two, to say that the guards didn't properly check, I mean, that's their job, you know. So just, you know, I don't know whether he killed himself or not, but just factually, it certainly doesn't look good, uh-huh. does it? Uh-huh. You know. And now they're saying something about some autopsy, or I hadn't really read it, but somebody in autopsy says, yeah. you know, from where he was, it wouldn't work that way. And um, but, I guess the guy who led the autopsy had said that he had never seen in his like 30 years the breaks in his neck mm-hmm. and the different things that happened that there was no way. He's never seen somebody hang themselves and have that type of... Yeah. And this guy with 30 years experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I think the, the point you're making is why didn't why haven't people actually paid attention and gone after those that would have a motive to do that uh-huh. and that's that's a question i don't know i mean why wouldn't mm-hmm. they yeah you know i money. know yeah it's got to be money, money it's got to be money power. and power has to be you knew about epstein and about who he was um i've yeah once all this stuff started coming out yeah yeah did you hear about how he would take politicians to his island um i read that it's yeah. crazy yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't get how I don't know. It's so crazy to think that there are like these super elites or these super people who kind are of high above up. the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole point of our justice system. Um, you know, Lady Justice is supposed to be blind, mm-hmm. which means you get the same shake whether you're poor or you're rich. But, but it's obviously, not true. that's not the case. Is yeah, it? Not even close. Yeah. yeah, I was talking to my dad about um, about uh, Trump and how he kind of just does things his own way. Uh-huh. Do you believe that our system of government currently is outdated for where we are now? I don't or, think the system of government's outdated. I think the people that's in power are outdated. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think we're, you know, going on 240 years or whatever it is. Um, you know, we're a republic. Um, we got three branches of government. Um, they all checks and balances, but when you have one particular group of people that will go after people, yeah. you know, not based on policy, but based on who they are, that's a that's a serious problem. Yeah, serious problem. What is the way to fix it? Is there a way? Because I don't it- I don't know what an easy answer is because you can say, well, what about voting? Okay. Okay. Well, it's obviously look, working, look, right? look what's going on in Virginia. What's going on? You know, you got three counties that voted one way. You got 97 counties that voted the other way, and the three counties ruled the 97. 
So now the 97, 41 of those are looking to secede and go to West Virginia. Whoa. So the huge urban population centers, it, that, that's why we have an electoral college. Um, you have an electoral college because if we only went with popular vote, then out here in this beautiful place y'all have, you know, you and your neighbor, well, if you're in, uh, well, you're from Southern California. Yeah. Okay. If you're in San Diego, how many neighbors do you have between here and there? 40? Probably. Yeah, 40, 50. Yeah. So that little area there is going to control what we do over here because it's a bigger population. Yeah. So that's why we have an electoral college to, to offset that. So the framers of the Constitution were pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I was talking about, um, I forgot who it was, but basically about how a president can't have or can't be in office for more than two terms. Right. And it seems like such a great... There are certain things I feel like about the Constitution. I, I don't I don't know the ins and the outs, but there, I feel like there are certain things that weren't made to rule however many people we have in the United States. Mm-hmm. What is it? Hundreds of millions? 300 and something million. Yeah. 310, I think. And that was made when there was 13 colonies. Right. Sure. So some of the rules are a bit where they they need to be changed but the, i guess the process is really slow right um but um i i was thinking and how it can there's a president can only serve two terms it's almost like a it sounds like a great way to do things right mm-hmm. because then we wouldn't have countries like uh, north korea where right. a country is in complete power right you know what's fascinating <coughs> like england is it england where the the uh, Prince Harry and right, yeah. What's the the Queen Elizabeth? Queen Elizabeth, is that England? William, and yeah, that's England. It's so crazy to me that there are still like countries where right. people are just born into yeah. royalty. Well, I think our what you were talking about earlier, our, at least in my opinion, our problem is the president. Yeah, he's limited or she's limited to two terms, but Congress they can be in there forty, fifty years. Uh huh. So let's think about it. Okay. If you're a guy in Congress and you're making $196,000 a year, okay, how do you become a multimillionaire 40, 50 million times over? Mm. Okay. Well, you know, do the math. Yeah. So I think Congress should be limited to two terms. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, maybe one term, as bad as they are. So we should, we should continuously have a, a change. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you, you know, you get somebody up there... Um, you know, take Biden's son, you know. I mean, you're a young man. You're young, you know. How many people do we know that got put on an oil board at age 30 with no experience gets $85,000 a month? I don't know anybody. Oh, he did? Yeah, Hunter Biden, mm. Joe Biden's son. I don't know a single person that's ever done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm 55. Yeah. What, what's the and I got relatives that work in the oil business. Who've been in the oil business down in Lake Charles for 30, 40, 50 years. They don't know anybody that's ever been put on a board of an energy company with no experience. And that's just because of his name. Sure. Yeah. Daddy's VP, man. Ah. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah now I'm on the board. Mm. So that's a problem. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, you know these Congress people getting to stay in office 20, 30, 40 years. If it's only eight years or whatever term is, six years, 
then you got to go back to the real world. So you don't have time to amass all of your favors. Mm. Okay, let me ask you. Shoot me down okay. if I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. I'm sure you do, but I will. No, not even close. Uh, I also say a lot of shit that... And I may not know what you're talking about either, so we both may be in the same boat. Okay, so I feel like the current system we have for voting Mm -hmm. is outdated. Okay. Everybody's got a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. I've heard this. What would be the downside to having people, let's say, vote through their phones and a way to identify them? Because nowadays with technology, people don't like going to voting booths. Right. People don't like sitting there, signing up. Right. What is a new system that we can implement or like another way we can do things? Because I feel like this is so outdated and just... Right. I mean, what, how, many, how many votes do we get? How many votes were there for the presidency? 50 million or something? 60... Um yeah, I don't know the actual number. I don't know. But let's say it's 50 million right. voted for one person. Mm-hmm. And there's probably 350 million. Mm-hmm. That's right. a seventh. Mm-hmm. One seventh. Right. I mean, I know it's the majority, right? But my guess would be that there's like 50% of Americans who just don't vote. Right. You think the number's that high? Um, could be. I mean, they, you, know, you know, there's a lot of people that are not going to go do it. Yeah, for whatever yeah, yeah. they don't like the the people running, or they just don't want to leave. Uh-huh. You know, so and, and, like would that phone idea sound like a better idea, or do you think we have right now what is the best idea? Um, I I would go the other way if it was me. I would go back to paper voting, huh? To where that way you've got something solid because when you go into one of those booths and you start pushing those numbers, yeah. To me, it's like a slot machine. Mm. I have no clue where that's going yep and i have nothing that says i voted for a b c or d yep all i've got is this computer monitor that says did you do all these and then you hit yes well i mean you know phones get hacked computers get hacked yeah you know um i know in the last election um georgia reported that they were getting 20 or 30 and a buddy of mine's a judge and he confirmed this they were getting 20 or 30 um, intrusions from one of the parties, Democratic Party's computers, okay? Whoa. So, and I don't care whether it's a Democratic Party or a Republican Party, it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. So I like paper. That way, that way I leave with a piece of paper and, you know, if you don't want to go down and vote, you don't have to go vote. Yeah. That's your choice, Yeah. you know? And now for people who are handicapped and can't get out of the house, there would have to be some other method. Yeah. And maybe that's where we use the phone method. Mm. You know, something like that. Um, you, you seem like a very wise, just from my time knowing you, you seem like a very um, wise guy, very, very welcoming, very... Um, I appreciate that. Where have you traveled? Uh, let's like, see. Like what, what gives you this... You just seem very laid back where you're not... You're somebody where I feel like if I talked to you and told you anything, you wouldn't judge me. All right. And that's kind of rare. Mm-hmm. Well, have you traveled that. much? Um, pretty good bit. I mean, we've, um, for TK's Golf, we've been to 27 different states. Holy shit. So all over the country. Um, we've been to Scotland. Um, I've been to Guatemala. I've been to Mexico. I've been to Canada. Uh-huh. Um, 
outside the states, I think that's it, unless I'm missing something. Yeah. yeah. 27 yeah. states is a good amount. Yeah, yeah. So we've been around a lot. Yeah. You know, so. What type of people have you met? We've met all types. Yeah. You know, all types. Um, everything from, um, we went to Augusta, Georgia. Um, TK was um, one of the top 10 in the nation drive, chip, and putt. So we got to go to Augusta there. So we met um, Condoleezza Augusta, Wright. Augusta, Georgia? Yeah, where they held the Masters. Uh-huh. So he actually got to drop chip and putt at the masters Whoa. which was a big deal so we met um huge huge honor for him to do it he worked hard um we got to meet condoleezza rice who's that um she was one of um the second bushes part of his administration she's at stanford now okay she is um she's a black lady and she might be she might be the first woman who was a member of augusta if I'm not mistaken. So she golfs as well? No, not very much. They met her like an honorary, honorary member. Oh, I see, I see. Um, so we met those people, met um, Lou Holtz, who was the former Notre Dame coach. Mm. He's uh, one, of the, one of the great guys of all time. Um, if you watch basketball, Dick Vitale. I've heard of okay, him. Okay, um, met him at a Notre Dame-USC pep rally game, got to sit right behind him. Really cool guy. Um, so meeting people like that's been interesting. You golf or no? Used to. Oh, okay. So yeah. is that how TK got into it? Um, a little bit. His was kind of happenstance. We were members at Sunterra, and he was three years old, I think, and we didn't have a babysitter. So my office was up at Sunterra on the third floor above the pro shop. Okay. And one of the guys there, Jeff, he was running an after-school kids camp for ages 8 to 13. So I asked him, I said, man, in my office overlooked the green. I said, our son's only three, but can he just go down there and just kind of, you know, hang out with the kids? Well, he went down there and he loved it. So at three. At three. So we got a little bit set of golf clubs. We still have them. <laughs> and um, got a picture of one of his buddies was named Maurizio, Maurizio Cohn, and they were from Mexico. And um, Maurizio's dad ran, um, what was it? It wasn't an onyx business. He did something with um, marble or some, something like that. Uh-huh. So um, we got to be good friends with them. And we got pictures. I think TK was four, and they had a putting contest. And Maurizio was like nine. And we have a picture of TK making the putt, beating Maurizio. And Maurizio's behind him just with this big smile on his face going like, you know, he's getting ready to strangle him for beating him. <laughs> so he, we kind of got into it that way. So he was doing the after, after day camp. That's how he got into golf. Uh-huh. So, so tell me about you. Like, what mm-hmm. what type of things were you into in college? What college? I played basketball. Okay. Um, you play for Baylor? Uh, no, I didn't play for Baylor. I was I played for a high school in Tennessee, uh-huh. and I was recruited by the Naval Academy um, for basketball. V- basketball, uh-huh. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, different schools. My sophomore year, I in my junior year, I tore up my ankle my junior year. Tore. Yeah, well, the Achilles tendon oh, messed no. it up really, really Man. bad. So that set me back. So I ended up um, going to a small school in Tennessee, trying to rehab that and get back to a Division One level. Never did. Mm-hmm. Um, lost half a step, you know, and that was it at that level. But um, played basketball um, all the way through college. Uh-huh. So um, that was a good time. Good what time. else? Anything else you were super into? Um, if I were to ask you, like, Tim, what are your passions? Um, passions now, believe it or not, I like working on stuff with, with TK. Um, 
he does more truck work than I do, but you know, just working around the house, doing stuff like that, working out at the box. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Last year you did which the baton, but yeah, we march? did baton death march two years ago. Okay, and um, that was by far the best thing I've ever done. Tell me, yeah, yeah, oh, he's, he's oh it was awesome. There. Ten thousand people there. Uh, we went with Brandon, Scott Carter, Vogel. I mean, the list goes on and on. Morehouse. I think there might have been 20 or 22 of us. I'd only been exercising for six months. I spent 20 years doing nothing. Okay. I mean, Office job. Yeah, I mean, just when I, and when I say nothing, I mean nothing. Okay. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I eating a lot. Yeah. So we joined the GEOM in September, and we did the Patan Death March in March. So okay. between September and March, I lost a bunch of weight. What did you start at? 260. Holy shit. Yeah. Where are you at now? And now probably 215. Nice. But I've gotten down um, to 202. But then Man. holidays. <laughs> Gets <laughs> you know, us all. Got me, got me. But, um, but we joined the gym, and it's been the best thing we've done. Um, because TK's cousin... Griff, he played quarterback for the Saints for a little while. He got. I remember you guys talking about that. And we went to um, Yellowstone Club up in Montana, where his cousins are members of. And TK was 16, I guess, at the time, and working out some. But um, Griff said, "Hey, y'all need to join a CrossFit gym." So we got back and immediately went to um, the very first one we went to, which is Comel Fitness at the time, CrossFit. Uh-huh. And I walked in and met Brandon and joined. And it's been great, man. Met, met, got, met you and you know, met all our friends. It's been a lot of fun. What made you, how long had y'all been living here before that? Oh, man, we've been here 15 years. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been here a long time. What made you um, decide to do the Bataan and, and what pushed you to train yourself to get to that level because that's a, that's a quite an accomplishment was it, 20, it was, a, a, it was marathon, a full marathon and you yeah. had how many pounds in your back uh well i actually did not carry weight other than about 15 pounds okay yeah that's what i carried um i think karen carried 10 but it was still a long way she did it as well yeah she did as well wow well what basically uh, what basically happened is brandon was putting people together and he said y'all ought to do batan and I started thinking about it. Um, and they do it, you know, you can do it in honor of people. So we did it in honor of two of our cousins. One had been killed in Iraq and the other one had died on the way. And um, so we did it in honor of them and did a little fundraiser um, for for their families. Um, and so Brandon was like, you ought to try it. So we, we said, hey, that's our goal. We're going to do it. So we started training in November. Uh-huh. And the first ruck was a big three miles. And I was sore for two weeks. Uh-huh. And I thought, man, I don't know about this. Uh-huh. But then uh, we built up to an 18-mile ruck and went and did it. It was awesome. Nice. Yep. And I still have foot problems. Oh, Jesus. Two years later. Yeah. But it was worth it? Oh, it was worth it. Yeah. Then last year we did Mountain Man. Which one was that? Um, that's in Gatlinburg. Sorry for the bar. No, that's all right. We, we, we have a German Shepherd. We understand. Yeah. So that was in Gatlinburg? Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, and that's a different type of ruck, but it's still a marathon, um, and it's different. It's not quite as big, and it's it's more of a personal deal. I mean, you literally pick a family who's lost a son or a daughter in the war, and you walk for them. Wow! And so you get a little little clip. Like if you ever look on the back of TK's ruck, he still has the little medal of the guy's picture. Yeah. And so you're walking for that family, 
and the, the families will come there and support you. So, so you met all of them and everything. Oh uh, yeah, we met um, met the boy's mom and was it a twin brother? I believe he had a twin brother. Yeah. So and they wait there at the finish line. So that that was an interesting deal. Yeah. But between the two, um, I like Batan because you're you're in the middle of the desert and then um, you know you have the um, the boobs. I believe it's called. That was called. Yeah, we had the big sandstorms uh-huh. that come in. Oh, so one a sandstorm came in while you were oh, going? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got hit. Really? Yeah, it was cool. What is that like? 50-mile-an-hour winds. It's like being being in a sandblaster. Really? Yeah, it yeah. Hurt? Uh, well, I had goggles and stuff. Oh, you had to take goggles so they let you know that this could happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, so you just, it, it was cool. That That's a fun one. I, I'm going I'm to try to do that one next year. I think I'll do it. Let's do it together. Okay. All right, we'll do it together. All right. Yeah. I'm in. I'm right. going to do, I'm training right now. Tomorrow we're doing a 15 mile. Right. 15 mile. You can yeah. join us, you said, or no? No? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I want to do that one. And then I want to do rim to rim to rim. Doing the training, though. You're training for the rim to rim to rim? We're doing 1821. And then I might do rim to rim to rim too. You, yeah. Are you going to do it? When are you doing it? Uh, I think in May. January. I might try to, I might, I might train, um, yeah, um, if I can get if I can get my back in shape, I'd love to do it. Have you been stretching? Oh, I stretch every day. Yeah. Roll out. And it know. doesn't. It's not, it hasn't been helping. It comes and goes for no reason. Mm. Like two days ago, it was just killing me, and we're walking, and then I happened to buy transmission fluid, and the pain went away. So just I'm, randomly. Just no reason. Huh. And I've had no pain down for two days. But, but then when it hits, yeah. Well, yeah, you know it's there. God damn. So um, I never know. Yeah. You know. So, um, but I, I'm, I might try that. That's what, 50 miles? Yeah, 54 or something. And you got to finish. You can't be hauled out. It's too expensive. Oh, uh, yeah. Hell no. I yeah. can't afford that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I can't either. That's why I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to break 22 hours. 22 hours is my goal. Oh, man. That's moving. Fuck. You can do it. And now that I just said it on the podcast, that's it, right? You I just do threw it. it out there. 22 hours. You yeah. got to do it. I like it, though. Sorry, I got cut off. I got a phone call. But, um, yeah, so I'm doing that now that I just do it onto the podcast. I'm gotta do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing that, and then tomorrow's ruck. Um, but yeah, I like it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah. funnest, funnest things we've done was was Batan. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys drive out there? Yeah, we drove. How long was that drive? Was it New Mexico? Uh, yeah, it's uh, White Sands and Missile Range. It took us 11 hours. Oh, that's not too bad. It's not bad. I think most everybody else flew. Yeah. But uh, funny story on that, Brandon wanted us to carry all the rucks in our excursion. And I told him sometimes our excursion doesn't start. So um, they had to carry them on the plane. So we're at Cracker Barrel, and Brandon decides to ride back to the hotel with us. We get in, and it doesn't start. <laughs> so he saw it firsthand how we have to start it with a screwdriver. How did you guys start it? Um, hit the solenoid with a screwdriver. Uh-huh. And it To starts. make that connection? Yeah. Starts. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So Brandon's like, okay, it does, it does not start. Uh-huh. So you've been here 15 years. Uh, now we're going on um, 17. Yeah. How crazy! And you've been in that same house there. I've uh, been in that house for fifteen years. No, 14, 14. How crazy is it to see the growth? Yeah, that's unreal. When we um, Karen's parents, well, her family settled down here. Yeah. Okay, they live over off Lower Smithson Valley, mm-hmm. and so her family's been here for one hundred and fifty or sixty years. They have the original Texas land grants. 
Whoa. So at one time, her family, I believe, had 5,000 acres down there where um, that Valero is with the little, well, you know where the other cross, you know, our antlers or whatever. 281. Oh, 281. Oh, oh. That oh, CrossFit about, place. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. That whole valley was theirs at one point in time, you know, generations ago, uh -huh. where parents still have 100 acres right right up on that hill. Yeah. So we moved down here to be closer to them. Gotcha. And um, so we've lived here for 17 years. But the growth in our neighborhood that we're in, there were only three houses at the time. Yeah. So the whole neighborhood was just forest. And now it's full. It's full. And when we first moved down here, it was right after nine. It was right before nine eleven. So I was flying back and forth to Dallas. And then when nine eleven happened, it was quicker to drive than to fly because of security. Mm. But there was one red light, as I recall. Yeah, one red light between Bulverde and the airport. And that was at Evans Road. That was it. That's it. So I could leave in the morning and be at the airport in 18 minutes. Jesus Christ. There's no, there was no traffic. That's crazy. And when Karen was a kid, she used to bike. Um, at the time, um, Lower Smithson Valley and Upper Smithson Valley, when she was a kid, was just dirt, dirt road, gravel yeah. road. Uh -huh. So she'd bike on that. Mm. So that shows you what the growth is. Are you getting out of here? You plan to get out of here? No, we're going to probably stay. We're going to probably stay. Um, ultimately, we'll end up over where her where his grandparents are. But we want to get some land in, in Montana or Idaho. Nice. And just um, 20 or 30 acres. Yeah. And have an RV and just up there in the summertime. That would be super nice. Yeah. Go hunt or just to stay? Just hang there? out, fish. Yeah. We're yeah. into fishing now. You're a fish. Oh, we love to fish. Well, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. What do you fish for? Anything. Anything I was just in bikes. Colorado last summer. Yeah. That fishing out there is unbelievable trout, trout fishing out there yeah. oh my god i love it yeah i'm, I'm a love but i i you know going back to roots and everything yeah tell, I, tell um, me tk tk and tk and karen they have re real expensive very expensive fly rods uh -huh. you know for them I, I put money into things so they have very nice fly rods i use a cane pole what's that a cane pole is it's this we can buy them at academy for five dollars but it's just cane that you put together, like, so it's like a 15-foot cane. Like sugar cane? Yeah, sugar cane. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's a cane pole. So that's what I use to trout fish. <laughs> so then I came up with this idea. Wait, does it have guide holes on it? No, it's just yeah, the end has a guide hole, and that you tie your line on that. And down in Louisiana, you bluegill fish with it. So if you're up on the bank of a stream, ah, gotcha. you can stick your line out there. Okay. So, and I, I cane pole fished in um, the streams of Montana at Yellowstone Club, and um, I'll tell you a little bit about Yellowstone Club, but I didn't really fit in there with my cane pole. Say the Please least. tell me. Tell me all about well, it. Well, Yellowstone Club. Is sounds like a, it sounds like a rich person it's, club. There's only, it's, my, my brother-in-law has a place there, okay? And they own some other property up there. But your neighbors are, uh, Warren Buffett has a place up there. Jesus Christ. Um, Bill Gates. Um, who's that guy? Ben Affleck? Yeah, we taught his kids how to fish up there. They never Holy fished. Holy shit. Yeah, Jennifer Garner. Um, Tom Brady, um, you know, saw him at breakfast. So they, it's, obviously, wow. a poor Kunas couldn't afford that. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was smart. I married um, married a girl whose brother has money. So, uh -huh, uh -huh. so anyway, so um, we were up there. Well, we came up with this idea. And, um, TK thought I was crazy, but I said, I'm going to trout fish, but I'm going to use crickets and grasshoppers. Okay. Okay. So for three months, every day in the backyard, I'm out there with my fly swatter, and I'd freeze them. 
So we went. Wait, getting crickets and grasshoppers. Oh, yeah, prim primarily grasshoppers. Uh -huh. So we go to Montana, and man, we just slayed them, dude. Yeah, with uh, your cane pull? No, this time I brought a um, spinner, spinning rod. Ah, ride. okay, okay. Yeah. And um, just, so that's what we do now. So we use um, live bait that's been frozen, uh -huh. and just throw it in there, and it doesn't last two seconds. So we we just, we caught so many trout, it wasn't even funny. That Yellowstone Club? Yeah. How big are the trout there? They're not real big. I mean, they'll, um, you know, 10 inches to 12 inches, maybe. What's the biggest fish you ever caught? Um, biggest fish I ever caught was actually landed or Fresh hooked water. into it. Freshwater. Freshwater. Landed. Yeah, because... 10-pound bass. Oh, shit. Yeah, Toledo Bend, 9 or 10-pound bass when I was a kid. Um, caught a bunch of garfish. Yeah. Um, you know, alligator gars yep. with a noose. Um, mm -hmm. Probably, I don't know how big they were. They're three, four, five foot long. Oh, crap. Yeah. So you fished a lot when you were a kid? Oh, every day. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. How's the fishing in Louisiana? It's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, his, his granddad... We um they got a place they used to have a place down in um Hackberry and it's just a dock and you catch I mean every cast. So we'd bring some of TK's friends down. He's got some friends of his whose um dad died when they were real young. And some three kids, one of them's his best friend, um, on the golf course and um so we take those kids down there every year and we go fishing. So they they just, you know, have a blast. Y'all fishing around here at all or no? Hadn't fished a whole lot. Went to Canyon Lake. I think y'all did some on the river. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. That wasn't uh, bad. We caught yeah. some fish there. Yeah, but um, hadn't fished. You know, been working a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I get a couple of weeks off, that's that's when I normally fish. Ah, uh, okay. Are you ocean fishing at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love ocean fishing. Where? Um, Panama City Beach. Some of the best. Um, been to Florida? Yeah, Florida. Yeah, I've been to Cabo San Lucas. Um, fished off of the Atlantic. Hawaii, yeah. So tell me a, uh, a uh, the one that got away story. One that got away. All right. And I know you're a man of stories. Yeah, so. we we got we got one that got away. Um, I was probably 17 or 18. My buddy Steve, who's a doctor in Tennessee now, we were like two peas in a pod. You know, we both did everything together. And um, so we went down to Panama City Beach. His grandmother had a little house down there, so we'd go down there and fish. That's all we'd do fish 24-7 on the pier and that's back before they started running the nets along the keys so on any given day you could catch you know you could catch 30 or 40 king mackerels uh -huh. I mean, you wouldn't keep them mackerels how are the mackerels out there because they're bloody and disgusting yeah they're bloody you have to you have to you have to well spanish mackerel is pretty good okay king mackerel you have to bleed out okay because yeah. the mackerels that we have like in the california beaches they're so nasty. Yeah. Like slimy. They yeah, no, they, these these are not that way. These are, you just have to, they're, they're kind of a bloody fish. Okay. Not not too bad. Not like a bonita. Uh -huh. But, um, so we go out on a party boat, which is, you know, have you ever been on a party boat? Nope. Okay, it's a big 70, 80 foot boat, and you have 30 or 40 people fishing. The captain supplies. Oh, I've been on one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. the captain supplies the rod and reel. Mm -hmm. The captain supplies the bait, which is normally squid. And you go out and you drop your line straight down. You catch, you know, 10-pound fish or 8-pound or whatever. So Steve and I decided we were going to catch some croakers. Okay. A croaker is like a perch that croaks mm -hmm. and just makes noises. So we caught about 25, 30 croaker. We snuck it on board because you're not allowed to have your own bait. Okay. Snuck it on board. Oh, so you took the croakers to use as bait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I kept, okay. them, kept them live in a live well. How, how do you get a live well onto the boat? Carried it in a backpack. 
Okay. Yeah. So these are small croakers. Yeah, uh, they you know six eight inches long, whatever. Okay. So we drop our lines down. Captain says, "Drop your line." I mean, the line's not seventy feet in the water, and all of a sudden, Steve's rod just went straight down. Boom. So he starts trying to reel it up, and every single line on that side of the boat got popped. Pow, pow, pow. It was a big old huge 11, 12-foot shark. Holy shit. And the shit. captain was so mad at us because he found out we were using croakers that we couldn't fish the rest of the time. I thought he was going to throw us off the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys didn't land it? You brought it to the surface? Uh, he got it close enough that we could see what it was because oh, it was just breaking lines, man. and then it you know, broke his line. That was it. Uh, yeah, so that that was the one that got away. Yeah. Yeah, we had a good time on that. And then I took TK deep sea fishing when he was 10 years old. And I've never been seasick. Uh -huh. So, you know, been in storms, everything else, never been seasick. Well, we get out about, we went right after a tropical storm out of Port Aransas. And my dad, who was with us, who's kind of cautious, he's like, son, this is not a good idea, you know. And I told TK, I said, well, why don't we just fish off here? No, Dad, we got to go fishing. Got to go fishing. So we go out. And he got so sick, he threw up 29 times. <laughs> so, so to this day, I've not been able to get him to go deep sea fishing with me again. No, that's it? He won't go. Done. He won't go. But you don't get sick. Never been sick. No. You got to drink three beers and have a big, huge Denny's breakfast before you go. That's the best that's, way to that's do that's it. That's the way to do it. I went deep sea fishing. I went deep sea fishing one time on a guide, and um, I was with uh, my buddy Jesse, Jesse Sandoval, um, and I was with his girlfriend, and I believe their neighbor, and uh, we we had a we stopped at a little spot where they do the live the live uh, bait, mm -hmm. so we had sardines in okay. the live bait tank, and the guy told me the guy that we were with, um, the neighbor. He was like, I, I told him, I was looking at all the fish in the bait tank, and I was like, if you eat one, I'll eat one. And they're alive. Because I love I love doing just dumb, I mean, I know it sounds stupid, right? But I love, like, just doing things where it's like, oh, now that you got a story, you know? Oh, yeah. So I told him, if you eat one, I'll eat one. No hesitation. Grabs one out of the bait tank and just rip, bites the head off. Oh, my god. Live. And he, and he just looks at me, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and I had to eat one. Probably one of the nastiest things I've ever had, and then and I'm not a big I'm not a big beer drinker, so I I bit the head off. Then he hands me a beer and he goes, "Wash it down," and I drank the beer and almost threw up because you know like I had to wash it down, but oh, then yeah. the taste of beer mixed with that, oh, horrible. Did you get seasick? No, nah, I, I I think I'm okay. I, yeah, I think I'm okay. Yeah. but rides like amusement park rides, certain rides, oh man, that'll get me so yeah. sick. Yeah. Yeah, seasickness, funny deal. My buddy Steve had never been sick before, ever. And we went out one time, and he got seasick. And everybody on the boat was sick, and he, I couldn't find him. Yeah. So I go, and I look in the bathroom, and he was down on the floor holding the toilet. And he looked up at me, and he goes, tell the captain I'll pay $1,000 if he'll go back now. <laughs> so, and he's never been out again either. So uh, my buddy and my son have deserted me. So if you want to go deep sea fishing, let let's go. I'm in. <laughs> I know there's some other people who are in. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Alejandro's in. Um, I know uh, Hogue goes down to the yeah. coast. Did you ever see those those sharks at Alejandro? Unbelievable. Caught? Insane. Unbelievable. Yeah. You, ever, you ever fish surf or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I've never caught anything like that. Yeah. They, they must have taken their um, bait out with a boat or something. Yeah, no. They said that they would go on a kayak and okay. go like um, 
half a mile, and one drop mile. It? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One mile? That's I can't unbelievable. even imagine. Yeah. I don't know how the spools have that much line. They have huge spools, huh? Yeah, those 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 were unbelievable. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah. So the the one that got away, what do you fish for now? Bass? You a big bass fisherman? Uh trout. I like to go tr- I like to fish. I, I don't like going down where it's real hot anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, down Louisiana. Um Is there good bass fishing out there? In Louisiana? Yeah. Oh yeah, Toledo Bend, Sam Rayburn, um more in Texas, but Toledo Bend. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the best trout fishing that you've gone? Um, Gallatin River Where's in that? Montana. Okay. That's really good. And the streams through Yellowstone Club, I don't think you can beat them because they, they actually stock them. Yeah. So you just go and, you know. Catch and release? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah they, we, don't, we don't keep them up there. Uh-huh. I guess if we got one big enough, you know, might, might do that. So growing up, did you ever do like crawfish boils? Or oh, you still do those. Yeah? Yeah, I mean. You got to invite me to one of these, man. Let's go. I have. A, I got a big pot and a burner. If you need me to bring it. I, I tell you what, um, can't really, it probably would be better if you came down Louisiana and did one down there. When's the next time you're going? Um, should be the spring. Okay. Yeah, should be the spring. I day. love the journey. Yeah. Um, because it's hard to transport them up here, and I don't even know what they cost up here. They're What's probably crawfish. They're probably okay. five, six dollars a pound. Uh-huh. Down Louisiana, we buy them by the big, huge um, gunny sacks. Mm-hmm. So I think the last one we had what four hundred pounds. Holy shit! Yeah, four hundred pounds of crawfish. And that's for just your family? Uh, well, it's it's, it's a big, it's a mighty big family. <laughs> they don't they don't do crossfit. They don't do crossfit. <laughs> it's the biggins. Yeah. You get like it's a big festival, or you yeah, just yeah, get it's together. a family reunion. We'll oh, have fifteen gotcha. or 20, 30 people, and, and four hundred pounds. Uh, yeah, we had four hundred pounds. Yeah. What else y'all cook? Um, potatoes in it. Um, so you, have you ever heard of boiling crab? Sure. You've heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. They have it here. Yeah. Do they? Yeah. yeah, crab boil. No. Well, okay. There's a place. So there's a place in California. Oh, you mean like a restaurant? Yeah. No, I've never heard of that. But I mean, we boil. Yeah, we catch them and boil them. They mix together like cut up um, corn cob, like yeah. corn, pieces, corn cob, potatoes, potatoes sausages. Sure. Yeah, we crawfish. do that. Yeah, we. I think the last one we did potatoes and sausage. Yeah. What about gumbo? You make gumbo? Oh, yeah. mean gumbo. What kind? Um, I like chicken and sausage, but I also like shrimp. But I don't do a very good shrimp when my mom does. Mm. So. And you made those tostadas last night. Um, no, last night we had tacos. No, no, the, we did have tostadas, yeah. How many did you eat? A whole bunch. <laughs> whole bunch. I made I made two pounds of hamburger meat, two bell pepper, two onion, six tomatoes, two cans of Rotel tomatoes. I made a big, huge pot. And then we just laid the tostadas out and went to town. And just throw them all on just there. Just throw it on there and eat. God, that sounds yeah. good. It was man. good. It was good. This diet's cool, but... Yeah, we broke it last night. I bet. Yeah. I'm going to break it tomorrow after the ruck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't want to keep you too hey, long. Hey, man. So I enjoyed it. Thank you. And I thank you, my friend. You and it was a lot of fun. I want, I want to hear more stories. So we're okay. going to do this we'll, again. We'll do it again. I just want you to tell me stories. We'll do it again. I love your stories. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Next time you do a boil or go, let me know. And if we can find crawfish cheap enough around here, but you know, you, you need to be pretty cheap. Super cheap out there, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get them. I don't know what they are now, but it's not much. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they have the fields. If you go through Beaumont, between Beaumont, well, actually, between Beaumont and um, Pinehurst, Texas, are all the crawfish fields. Uh-huh. So if you see, like, water out there in the field and these big traps, 
they're raising crawfish. Oh, they raise them out there. Yeah, they have crawfish okay. fields. Ah, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All now, right. when I was a kid in the ditches, yes, tell that's me. where we got them. What do you mean the ditches? Well, you have ditches in Louisiana where the water is. Okay. So you could go in the ditch then and catch two or three hundred of them and take them on and boil them. And you would do that? Yeah, we did it all the time. What would you catch them with? With your hand. Oh, so you just pick them out and just yeah, put them in a bag? They, they bite you, you know, with the pinchers, but yeah. They hurt or no? Oh, yeah, if you get a big one. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Damn, that sounds fun. Yeah, you just go in there and you grab it and put it in your you bag. Have you done that, TK, or no? Uh, they don't really have those ditches anymore because of, you know, population and everything. Mm. So, you know, and I wouldn't do it nowadays because of all the pollution. Really? Yeah, it's really nasty. Oh. Yeah. So, but you might have had the same pollution back then. We just didn't know. Yeah. You know. Or just didn't care. Didn't care. Yeah. yeah. That's how, I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Like how people are raised now versus how they were raised back then. It's sure. A lot more people were just carefree. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show, like, I don't know, we're becoming soft a little bit, I think. Oh, yeah, we're very... You know that saying, um, uh, tough people make easy times, uh-huh. easy times make weak people, weak people make hard times, hard times make tough people, and it's just this big cycle. I like that saying, yeah. Yeah. I like that. We'll end yeah. on that. All right, man. All right, we'll hey, get thanks. together again. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you. Take care.